Black Equity listeners from around the world. Another great episode from Detroit, Baltimore, L.A., Sacktown, Houston, Miami, Charlotte, Atlanta, Nigeria, all around the world, South Africa. Thank you for tuning in to the Black Equity Podcast. This is episode 193. We're going to explore the dilemma of the black athlete. Let's get to the show. Chicago, Philly, all the different cities around the world. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Man, what a week. What a week. We're only halfway through, right? We're halfway through one of the, one of the most pivotal times uh, in the culture, right? And why do I say that? Because when the seasons change, when the seasons change, you get to see who your seasonal friendships were. You get to see what was real and what wasn't. And by the way, the seasons don't change when the calendar tells you it changes. It it changes when the trees tell you. The trees will always tell you when things are changing. And here's the thing. So as we approach into the fall, and for many of us, we're already in the fall here here in the United States. Uh, Maybe in other countries, you're already experiencing different uh, seasons, whatever season you're in, just know that we are about to approach a time where you have uh, college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, and this is the time uh, where things start heating up, even if it is getting cooler, even if it is uh, cooling down some, it actually is the time where the culture heats up more. Uh, that's when uh, big time conversations have happened uh, in the culture, and so within the last few weeks, there's been this conversation centered around the black athlete, and really, it's been happening for the last forty years, to be honest, if not longer, about leveraging the power that a black athlete may have uh, to bring significance and negotiation power for black culture. And when we look back and we see some of the people who use that uh, power correctly, you look at a a person like Muhammad Ali as being uh, at the very top of leveraging their black power as a black athlete. And we fast forward to today and people want to put uh, Colin Kaepernick in that discussion. They want to put a LeBron James in that discussion. And so an article comes out within the last week or two from Jamel Hill that challenges the status quo. A lot of money has been made in these uh, amateur sports and in these college uh, college sports, uh, mainly football and basketball. A lot of money is made watching these black athletes uh, play for free. Uh, Many would argue it's not for free. It's them getting a a scholarship, a free ride. So it's not for free. It's all in the, the way you view the semantics. But a lot of money has been generated 
And when I say a lot, I want to make sure that we're being very specific here. It's, it's not just me just saying it's a lot. <laughs> uh, the NCAA, you know, how much money, uh, what, are, what is their annual revenues? When we look at the revenue of NCAA, it is uh, it reports last year at $1.1 billion. Division one revenue uh, uh, can range from five hundred and three million to upwards of two to three billion dollars. It's a lot of money exchanging hands while these athletes, mainly black, aren't seeing a dime. Physical dimes, not scholarship dimes and education dimes. But real money, real cash, real Bitcoin, however you want to get your money, they're not seeing it. And as we're looking at this, I'm looking at a Jamel Hill article and she calls. She's calling for uh, black athletes. Uh, it says here, Jamel Hill suggests black athletes leave white colleges to attend HBCUs. The, the, the actual real headline from the Atlantic reads, it's time for black athletes to leave white colleges. She states for the October 2019 issue of the Atlantic that they attract money and attention to predominantly white universities that showcase them while HBCUs struggle. What would happen if they collectively decided to go to black schools? And so the article is a really great read for anyone who uh, has been wanting this conversation to happen. And I know in, in many of the circles I'm in, as a graduate of an HBCU, it's been a conversation that we've been wanting to have for at least 15 to 20 years. <laughs> You know, what if we put down their game and picked up our own? What what would happen then? And so that conversation has started echoing through the culture. And it's about time. And I would challenge you that anybody who is not having this conversation is behind the times. Any podcast or YouTube channel that is not uh, talking about this that says that they are for the culture, I would argue are missing the mark and they're really not for you. They're really there to, to profit off of you. I would argue that in many ways they are doing to you what white colleges are doing to black athletes. They're pimping the culture and making money off of you left left and right. I would I would argue that they're just putting out content so then they could uh, get their ad dollars and make money off of you. Because the, the money is really in the audience, my friends. The money is in the audience. And the bigger the audience you have, the more money that these people are making off of, making off of you. The Breakfast Club. Uh, the Brilliant Idiots. Joe Budden Podcast. All these different big, big platforms. Not just them. A lot of different platforms. If you're not having this conversation, then you are not 
part of the culture. So pay attention as this conversation heats up. Pay attention to who's having it and who's not. And as we study this, I want to look deeper into it because not only has Jamel Hill put this out, but now it's being asked during interviews with Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith says, hey, this isn't realistic. I love Jamel Hill. I love everything she put there. She didn't say anything that was necessarily wrong. Everything checks out, but it's idealistic. And to expect black athletes to drop everything and just go to a HBCU that doesn't have the necessary uh, funding and the necessary backing to support major athletes is not realistic. And I I have to agree, Stephen A. Smith is not wrong, right. I mean, I'm sorry, Stephen A. Smith is not wrong. I don't, also don't think he's right either. I don't think it's either one. Here's the thing. What Stephen A. Smith argues is, well, to expect a, a, an athlete to just, you know, sacrifice everything in order to do what's right for the overall good is not a fair position to put the the black athlete in that's just coming out of high school. And I would argue, depending on who the athlete is, it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't be sacrificing anything. If, if Zion Williamson decides, you know, hey, I have a huge name and I'm only going to play for one year. And instead of going to North Carolina, I'm going to go to an HBCU and we're going to rock this thing out for a year. That would change the evolution of the game. All it really takes is one or two players to say, let's do it. It's, you're not sacrificing anything, in my opinion. You still you can still get that free that free education. What are you sacrificing? If you're not getting paid anyway, so now there's these talks in California that okay, well they should at least get paid for their likeness. Here's here's my take. I don't think I don't think college athletes should be paid. But I do believe they should be paid. They should be able to profit off their likeness. They should be able to build a brand if they if they want to sign a, a sneaker deal, or if they want to sign some type of an apparel deal or some type of endorsements. They should be able to do that. I don't think the college should pay them because then we get into a sticky situation of them being employees of the college, and I'm not sure if I would like that type of control over the black athlete. Once you start paying athletes, it opens up a a huge area of discrepancy of student to employee. But to sit for the NCAA to say, Hey, you don't, you can't make money off of your likeness. That. That is what Stephen A. Smith said on a recent interview on Hot 97. That's un-American. That's very un-American. And so we are in the middle of a dilemma here. 
it, it makes absolutely no sense for an athlete who could leverage their celebrity to not be able to leverage it in America. In the, the same America where the Kardashians can become billionaires before they turn 21. The, the, the same America where you could, you know, be a child actor and become a huge star and, and never have to work another day in your life. Home alone. This is America. And so you should be able to profit off of the skill sets and the talents in which you create here on this on this earth. But I have to disagree with Stephen A. Smith to say that it's unrealistic for a black athlete to come to a, uh, to a HBCU as if they're sacrificing something major. I believe no matter if you're a top athlete, you're going to attract the dollars and you're going to attract the attention and ESPN and CBS are just going to have to follow suit. If you're a top, top athlete, the cameras are just going to have to come all over to your, your school. And all the TV deals with the SEC and the ACC, if we decided to go to the HBCUs, then I guess they're going to have to come up with a better uh, deal for for our conferences. I, I, I guess they would have to switch some things up now, wouldn't they? That goes for uh, football as well. I don't, I, I, Stephen A. Smith is not wrong, but I also don't think he's right. I, do, I, I believe what he's saying. I think that people will view it as a, a major sacrifice to go to an HBCU. But what is the sacrifice? What, what exactly are you sacrificing? Someone answer that for me. Send me a message. Send me a voice message. Let me know. What are you sacrificing by simply... Uh, going to an HBCU over uh, supposedly a a major college. I'm not sure the difference between major and minor. I'm trying to understand. Is it just the backing of the of the dollars that we say aren't real anyway? Y'all say that we need to go towards Bitcoin anyway. Y'all are saying that we need to go to a different financial uh, a financial medium. But yet you're still controlled by the almighty dollar. The almighty dollar is what is controlling all of this. And that's too much control for one concept of an idea to have. Why why does money control so much? Jamel Hill says in her article, the NCAA reported $1.1 billion in revenue for its 2017 fiscal year. Most of that money comes from the Division One men's basketball tournament. Most of that's coming from the tournament. So let's continue. In 2016, the NCAA extended its television agreement with CBS Sports and turned broadcasting through 2032, an $8.8 billion deal. About 30 Division One schools each bring in at least $100 million in athletic revenue every year. Almost all of these schools are, are majority white. In fact, black men make up only 2.4% of the total undergraduate, undergraduate population of the 65 schools in the so-called Power 5 athletic conferences. Yet black men make up 55% of the football players in those conferences and 56% of basketball players. 
And you can read more about about this uh, over at theathletic.com. Uh, once again, this, this article is titled, it's time for black athletes to leave white colleges. If nothing else, if nothing else, hear me on this. If nothing else, black athletes should leave white colleges on the premise of the education that's being taught. Black Equity listeners, we'll get back to the show in one moment, but I want you to head over to Sip and Share Wines and join our exclusive wine club over at Sip and Share Wines. This is where you're going to receive quarterly orders of wine, vegan wine, from Sip and Share Wines. This is black-owned, this is woman-owned, and this is one of the best products on the market. Now, back to the show. The education itself that's being taught at white colleges, that within itself should prompt all black athletes, all black students to go to HBCUs. The education itself should make people leave. And the first thing we want to look at from Stephen A. Smith is what well, the, the money. The money. It, it's just it's just too much money. There's too much money to be involved. That's the problem. The first thing when we say black athletes should go to HBCUs, the first thing you say is there's too much money. No, we're talking about the the education. The, are the miseducation of the black mind. In many ways, all black students should probably go to uh, predominantly black institutions their entire life. I would argue that. I would argue if you are going to do it, have predominantly uh, black up black training and black institutions all the way up to adulthood. And then at that time, then go into uh, integration. Teach a, a young black mind that you are good and you are powerful without the acceptance of another society that is every day trying to get you to think and be and and and, and and operate in their world, their imaginary world. I would argue that we're doing a dis- disservice on the education itself alone. See, so that's how I know, and I love Stephen A. Smith. I, I love Jamel Hill. I love everybody. I love all, all these other podcasts out here. I love you. Everything I've ever said is all love. Many people think uh, accountability is hatred. All I'm doing is simply documenting day by day what I'm seeing in the culture. From from black Twitter to revolt conferences to uh, breakfast club interviews to hot 97 interviews to my day to day interactions with fellow entrepreneurs and investors, 
simply documenting my time here. And I would hope you would do the same. And through my time, I found that if you allow a, 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 a segment of society to teach up your child on what is proper and not proper, you have done a disservice to your culture. And in the tender minds of an 18 to 24 year old, at the, the last part of their development of their human mind, many would argue that the human mind is not developed until the age of 24. Some would argue it's 25. And with those precious moments of the last few years of, of human development of, of the mind, we hand over our child and we hand over our children to white institutions. And I remember, I remember when I was about to graduate high school and I was talking to some of my fellow, my, my, my fellow, uh, students that were there with me, fellow black students at a predominantly white high school. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go to a, a historically black college or university. And they laughed me out the room. And they said, why would you ever go there? You're not going to get the proper education at a HBCU as you would get out of white school. These were white, these were black students telling another black student and laughing at him, wondering why he was going to a black school. So that shows you the brainwashing that was happening every day. When you're, when you're a black student and you're sitting in front of these white teachers, you start looking at them as if they're God. Many of those same black students... Many of those same black students at these white schools, they cherish those white teachers. They cherish those white high schools. They cherish the, 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 the white acceptance. They needed that acceptance. They craved that acceptance. And that hasn't stopped. In these tender ages of 15, 16, 17, 18, then 19, 20, 21, and 22. In the tender ages of the, of, of the minds of black America, we keep handing over our minds to be prostituted out by white institutions. And although Stephen A. Smith did go to an HBCU, I feel like he has missed a mark. That doesn't mean I have any less respect for him. But in a conversation on Hot 97, with Ebro asking him about Jamel Hill's article, he says it's idealistic, and he doesn't deal in, in an ideal world. He deals in reality. And in his reality, that's just not going to happen because there's too much money tied to these white institutions. And what I'm arguing is on a podcast called Black Equity, 
where at least once a week, I bring you a piece of wisdom that says F the money from people who got money. And to focus on what you love and what, and what you care about. I'm telling you what I love and what I care about is the mind of black America. So much so it saddens me to see the things that happen on black Twitter. It saddens me to see the hustle of, you know, making posts on Twitter and listing 10 different people that you should all go follow, which are all friends of each other. And then you go follow those people. And now you're, you're ingrained into their little fake world. And then when you go interact with anyone, you know, they'll tell you, oh, you should go follow this person and go do this and go do that. And they're all tied to each other through affiliate links. And now everybody's got a book. Everybody has a hustle. And I'm not mad at anybody getting their money. I would rather us get money together than get money off of one another. Black Twitter has become a swamp. And those making the money off of it will sit there and say, how dare you question what we're doing? We're feeding our families. And the people who are left in the dark, who don't know any better, who keep buying these courses and buying these books and keep falling victim thinking, wow, look at all these great, you know, people who look like me on Twitter. They're helping me. But many of the people who buy these courses, when you actually talk to them, they say it didn't help them. They only did it because they came on Twitter and saw somebody else saying that they should do it. When you ask certain people, you ask them, you know, what's the best, you know, CRM to use? And the first CRM they try to give you is the highest cost CRM because they can make the most affiliate money off of it. And so get your money. Do the things you got to do, but I still get to have an opinion. And yeah, everybody has an opinion. So you can choose not to listen to this one. You don't have to tune in here. You tune in here because you know what I'm telling you is the truth. From my perspective. It saddens me to see the things that are happening within the culture. Within a culture where... The revolt conference is happening and all these different people are career panelists that go around having panelist conversations. And I'm pretty sure all those people that were on these different panels were paid to say whatever they wanted to say. But nothing actually gets accomplished, at least not on air. So the sound bites happen and the trending happens. And we love Killer Mike and we love T.I. But just a couple weeks ago, you, you said not to trust any entertainers. You said that about Jay-Z. You said, oh, that's what they do in the black community. They'll throw an entertainer at you and they'll throw, uh, they'll, they'll hoodwink you. They'll bamboozle you with entertainers. A week or two later, Killer Mike and T.I. are in front of you and magically you forgot that they're entertainers and everything that they said is correct. And so now there's this, these questions 
that are uprising within the culture because of a revolt conference. Now there's questions uh, rising in the culture because Jamel Hill's article. There's questions left and right. But what's the answer? Here's the thing that you'll learn in time. You can only get the right answers if you ask the right questions. And so is the question, is the right question, should black athletes leave white colleges to go to HBCUs to attract more money to HBCUs? I don't think that's the right question, Jamel Hill. Here's the better question. Are white institutions properly educating black students to thrive with self-identification of being a black human being in a society not built for them? I'm looking at the, the, the development of the human mind. I'm looking at the equity of the human mind through the black experience. And I feel like Stephen A. misses the mark because the wrong question was asked. I feel Jamel Hill is asking the wrong question. It's great for headlines and it's a wonderful art uh, piece of work. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, moment in time to ask the question. And I always thought that was the question that we needed to ask. I always thought it was, Jamel. But that's not the real question. The real question isn't really about the money. That's just a byproduct of everything. The real question is about the mind and the soul of these black humans. And the question is, are they being properly enriched to succeed at the highest levels? And if the answer to that is no, then black athletes and black students should immediately leave white institutions and go to another place of higher learning that is more designed for the enrichment of their mind and their soul. And so the dilemma is not about the money. That will be a byproduct of everything. Because if you enrich the mind and enrich the soul, you immediately make every athlete and student that much more valuable for for their own culture. And if you make people more valuable, immediately money is going to be spent and and invested in those schools because they're people from outside the culture are going to do whatever it takes to get a piece of that black equity. And so the dilemma isn't are white colleges profiting off of black athletes, although it is a huge epidemic. The greater dilemma is the minds and the souls of black humans 
who have been integrated into a system that was meant for them to either work for white companies or to make white colleges profitable through their athletic build. And at what point do those athletes speak up for themselves? Because we're at a, a turning point in history where Jamel Hill can't save you. Stephen A. Smith can't save you. Black Equity Podcast can't save you. Black Twitter can't save you. It has to be a decision on your own for you as a black human being to say, you know what? The way we've been doing this, I see where we're headed. And instead of going to these schools, (laughs) I'm going to stick with my people and I'm going to go to HBCU. Here's Here's a whole other conversation that we'll have at a later time. Who's running the HBCUs? And who's refereeing and making sure that these HBCUs are going to be held accountable and that they can't just be uh, bought by their state and federal governments to be controlled anyway. Because it doesn't matter if all the black students go to HBCUs if the people at the HBCUs can easily be bought and sold like it's the stock market. Who's really overseeing these HBCUs? And at what point do we hold them accountable for their lack of growth and forward thinking. Because in many of these HBCUs, it's all a status game. But nobody wants to have that conversation because we, we're, we're afraid to say anything negative about ourselves. Because, ooh, how will we look? I'd rather get it right then they sit around and pretend like everything is okay. I'm tired of seeing the embezzlement of money at HBCUs. I'm tired of seeing the 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 the, the wrong the wrong placement and the wrong distribution of funds at HBCUs. I'm tired of seeing the the way the operations are being done at HBCUs not being done properly. And so if we're going to bring over our, our greatest resource, which is ourselves, to your institutions, it's time you step up. And if you're not going to step up, get the fuck out the way and let somebody else run the HBCU. 